Hello, I'm Anne, and you're watching CSO Executive Sessions. Joining me on the show today is Christian Pham, who is based in Singapore as Regional Research and Consulting Manager for IDC Asia Pacific's Security Practice. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris, thanks for making time to speak with me. Hi, hi. Good to be here. So we're here today to discuss your research on cybersecurity and digital trust. Um, can you talk us through some trends you're observing across the Asia Pacific region? Yeah, so I think before we dive into some of the trends, maybe let me just, you know, identify, define, and explain what we mean when we talk about digital trust, right? So IDC kind of defines trust as a condition between two or more entities that reflects the level of confidence, you know, risk and reputation between parties, right? But more specifically, digital trust kind of refers to the confidence, reliance, and assurance that individuals, organizations, and systems have in the integrity and reliability of security of the digital interactions, you know, transactions, data, so on and so forth. And it kind of involves the belief that, you know, digital technologies, platforms, and services will operate as expected to protect sensitive information and maintain privacy. So, you know, when we talk about uh, digital trust, especially with the expanding digital age and digital era, it's really essential that, you know, there is this increased interconnectivity uh, between, you know, organizations, partners, so on and so forth in this digitalized world. So, uh, you know, before I really dive deep into some of the trends, right, how we measure trust and digital trust at IDC is, I would say, a layered, kind of like a a pyramid uh, level at the bottom foundational level is kind of risk. We really identify risk as, you know, the foundations for what builds trust, right? Next, at the compulsory level, that's more of a compliance. When you look at compliance, when you look at security, and then at the last level, before we reach actualized trust, is strategic. That's more on the privacy matters, you know, ESG, and of course, ethics, right? And, you know, once all of these things are aligned, that's when you kind of get actualized trust, right? And, you know, at the same time, we kind of look at the dimensions of trust too, which kind of builds up, you know, these, 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 these outcomes, which are, you know, competence, you know, transparency, uh, integrity, and of course, fidelity, right? So on to some of the trends that we are seeing when we talk about digital trust, right? I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, organizations do see a rise in a demand for a unified platform, right? Unified single pane of glass. But on top of that, you know, we do see that there are increased sophistication when it comes to cyber attacks. And also on the flip side of things, you know, the importance of having a robust, resilient cybersecurity program. And of course, uh, one thing that's been, you know, buzzing around, uh, one of the biggest buzzwords is generative AI, right? The rise in demand for generative AI and machine learning that's embedded into the capabilities to curb skill shortages. So this kind of, you know, it's it's a two-in-one. We know that there is a global gap right now uh, for skilled professionals, skilled IT professionals, cyber professionals. But at the same time, what are organizations doing to curb that? That is, you know, to fill that gaping hole with the use of generative AI and machine learning. So these are just, you know, some of the trends that we are seeing. Of course, there are many more, but we can go into detail about those in, in, in the later session. Right. Um, and now with data being so highly valued right now, businesses and brands are constantly pushing to collect information on their customers or even potential clients. 
Um, but every now and again, uh, we read or hear about a major data or security breach, mm. and that erodes trust, not mm. just externally, but internally as well. Yes. Um, people are concerned about what organizations are doing to safeguard their personal information. So I'm curious to know, um, what are some challenges that enterprises are facing today when it comes to earning trust? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And one thing you kind of rightly pointed out is that when we talk about digital trust, of course, it expands past security, right? But we did actually a survey study when we actually asked, you know, over 1,500 survey respondents, organizations in the Asia Pacific region, you know, what were their top concerns when it came to cybersecurity incidents, right? And no surprise here, right? The, 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 top, uh, the top reason or the top concern for organizations is that cyber incidents actually erode digital trust, right? And so I think just to, just to point out exactly, you know, just to emphasize a little more about what you, what you actually mentioned, but when it comes to earning trust, right? Uh, and what we're seeing today, how can it be, I guess, built up internally, externally, or eroded internally, externally, right? Uh, besides the collaboration between organizations, your partners, you know, and your suppliers throughout the, the supply chain, and of course, you know, some of your competitors, right? Because we are working in a digital era where it's more collaborative now. Uh, although you may be my competitor, uh, we do collaborate on some level, right? But on top of that, we are seeing from a security standpoint that, you know, fragmented IT and security infrastructure is continuously becoming a huge burden for organizations purely because there's just too much security solutions in the market right now. But also at the same time, it's just becoming too complex, right? Especially with the emergence of, you know, cloud-first strategies, multi-cloud and hybrid cloud strategies. So all these infrastructures in the mix on top of the, the use of these plethora of different solutions kind of, you know, complicates and, and complicates the, the, the environment and the infrastructure for the organization when in actuality, that never used to be the case, right? But that is just a natural progression of where we are going purely because the, 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 the threat landscape is becoming more complex. And at the same time, the technologies needed to defend ourselves against these um, you know, sophisticated attacks are being also developed at the same time, right? On top of that, there is also a rapid evolution on the regulatory landscape side of things, right? When we talk about Asia Pacific, it's, it's unique in a sense, purely because we are somewhat late to the party uh, as compared to some of our other counterparts in you know, the EMEA regions or the Americas. But at the same time, it's quickly tightening, right? It's grip surrounding you know, data privacy and sovereignty laws, right? Especially with the emergence of cloud first. And this has kind of forced organizations to actively adopt you know, GRC tools and solutions, right? And I think the last thing I just want to emphasize on is, you know, the internal constraints that could hinder trust, right? When we talk about internal constraints, you know, we, we know that the world has kind of been forced into this fast-paced digital era, right? Which was kind of spurred on initially by the COVID-19 pandemic, but, you know, enterprises have internal concerns about, you know, being able to keep up with the change, right? Legacy architectures, lack of support from senior management, and the inadequately defined roles and responsibilities. So these are, I would say, some of the internal and external struggles where organizations really feel the pain or the bite 
of you know establishing or helping them limit their capabilities to establish digital trust. Um, you spoke about cyber incidents before, um, and now based on your findings from your research, where do Asia Pacific enterprises feel the most vulnerable to a security breach? If we're talking about where organizations feel that they're the most vulnerable to security breach, it would definitely be on the network side, right? The network side, purely because that is where everything is interconnected, right? Between not just within your infrastructure and your organization, but of course your connectivity with third parties, with your partners, with your you know cloud security service providers. But I think one aspect uh, which has kind of made a resurgence nowadays where is becoming increasingly important is identity security, right? The the use of identity security and the protection behind digital identities, right? Purely because we can see that from an end user perspective, there are a lot of continuous scams. And why is this happening? Also because with the emergence of artificial intelligence, general, I mean, uh, with gen AI in the mix, right? And with all these in the mix, we can see that, you know, digital identities has kind of slowly crept up, not not to the extent where, you know, it's overtaken networks and uh, in terms of, you know, the where, where it would be most vulnerable, but we can see that the starting point for initial incidents usually starts with digital identities. Yeah. Uh, consequently, where do you see these organizations investing their cybersecurity budgets? Mm. So interestingly enough, you would think that with the impending recession, some people would argue we are in a recession at this point in time, that security budgets, right, would be decreasing. But that's actually the complete opposite. I wouldn't say the complete opposite, but that is not what we are seeing based on the data that we've collected in IDC. We actually have, you know, a future enterprise resilience survey that we come up with on a monthly basis, right, tracking exactly how organizations are spending, uh, especially when it comes to security budgets. And from the past few months, we've actually seen that it's quite, it's, it's stayed quite consistent uh, at around a 28 to 20, 27, 28, 27 percent percentile uh, in terms of their entire organizational budget. So we Contrary to popular belief, you know, security budgets have not decreased. And I think this kind of signals to many senior managers, uh, many, you know, C-suites, many board of directors that this is not something that they can compromise on, right? They can compromise on if they want to cut costs, there are other areas to cut costs. But when we talk about security and we're talking about security from a cyber perspective, these are things that are just, you know, you, you, you can't compromise on these things. Yeah, so these are uh, sort of mandated, I would say. But on top of that, when we, when we see where organizations are really asking for funding, right? From a services perspective, I would say number one would be vulnerability assessments, right? As mentioned before, if we go back to the digital trust, future of trust framework and the triangle, as I mentioned, at the foundational level, we talk about risk, right? Vulnerability assessments is essentially derived from risk, right? It's underpinned by risk. So we can see that, you know, this, the, the data that we've collected holds together. They kind of correspond together, right? So vulnerability assessments would be number one. Number two, security training. This one is, I would say, and I, 
it was a surprise for me purely because um, I would think that other services would be more prevalent to this. But I can see where you know the market is trending towards purely because with the emergence of generative AI and on top of that, uh, with many use cases for new emerging uh, security solutions, right? The number one problem we see with organizations adopting new and emerging technologies is that although they're there, they're they're actually doing what they're meant to do, but the staff or the analysts or the professional that's meant to manage these tools have no idea what they're doing. So it's actually nothing to do with the security solution, but everything to do with the analyst or the cyber IT professional that's handling you know, this platform or this new tool. So Surprisingly enough, but also not surprisingly enough, I can see why security training is, I would say, parked at number two. And number three is for MDR services, right? We know that MDR services, with the emergence of MDR, XDR, uh, many different tools out there, many different organizations coining their own definitions, but essentially it's partnering up with a third party security service provider to manage your detection and response, right? Uh, and that's purely also stemming from the fact that there is a global shortage of professionals and organizations just don't have the capabilities to fill these gaps. So that's why we also seeing that that has been parked at number three. But if we really want to go down deeper to technologies per se, right? Number one would be, you know, threat intelligence. As mentioned before, threat intelligence is key to every organization and where organizations are really investing in purely because threat intelligence not only helps with you know your detection and response capabilities but also helps with the proactiveness right we see that organizations in the asia pacific region want to be more proactive that is one of their biggest hindrances when it comes to you know improving their security capabilities and improving the security program so it's no surprise that threat intelligence is parked at number one number two is network security as mentioned before this is where we see organizations feel the most vulnerable when it comes to cyber incidents more specifically you know ransomware and number three advanced threat detection which kind of involves and encompasses you know MDR XDR EDR, yeah, so on and so forth. So, yeah. Right, um, which brings us to vendors. Um, how do you think vendors can better support these organizations? Very interestingly enough, when we asked, uh, when we surveyed respondents in the Asia Pacific region and we asked them, you know, which, which areas do you feel your security service provider can improve the most, right? You would typically think that it would stem from detection and response capabilities, service reliability, right? Uh, uptime, responsiveness, right? Uh, maybe even cloud native security capabilities, but that actually wasn't the case. Uh, and this obviously points to everything that we've mentioned earlier on, but the number one area that organizations feel that uh, their security service providers can improve upon is actually the use of security analytics and automation capabilities. And as mentioned before, this stems from not having enough professionals, there's a, a, a talent gap. And of course, with the use of emerging technologies to not just, you know, scale, right, but to also be efficient in their operations. Right. And um, now shifting, uh, switching gears a bit to um, cybersecurity practitioners, hmm. do you have any advice for IT security leaders who are watching? 
Yeah. Uh, on top of everything I've said, right, I think one thing to really look out for besides everything I've mentioned is also the shift towards more of a hybrid cloud and multi-cloud infrastructure, right? Just purely because um, initially when COVID-19 hit, organizations kind of flocked towards this whole cloud-first strategy. And, you know, it was kind of promised that there would be decreased costs, it would be more efficient. And uh, to some extent, some of these promises were were, were kept. But one thing uh, which organizations have really identified is that it actually costs way more than they anticipated, right? So uh, I think that's one thing to be mindful about. But, you know, besides that, digital trust has become norm. And if, if you don't have digital trust, it's kind of like your, your permission slip to do business in this digital era, right? If you don't have that reputation, if you don't have that level of confidence that organizations and even partners have with you, then you're not going to be able to drive business, right? So this has kind of become a common theme amongst organizations in the regions and, you know, IT vendors and organizations alike should, you know, demonstrate the visibility and transparency to foster this trust, right, with, within the digital ecosystem itself. Uh, I think another aspect would be, you know, view, we've, 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 we've been talking about, you know, a lot of, a lot of cyber incidents and and how you know everything has kind of negatively affected the market but uh on the flip side i would like to say you know view the region and view asia pacific with an opportunistic lens uh you know despite the region being underlined on you know a regulatory front right uh security tax and events you know no no boundaries right and ceos and the board recognize that the that's the adverse effects uh, that ill-managed cyber incidents have on their organizations, organizational trust, and are investing in the security technologies, right? So that is, I would say, my second sort of advice to, to look out for, right? Be, be opportunistic and, and identify where your customers, right, or where your partners are are lacking in and help them chart out a roadmap, guide them towards where they want to be, and of course give them advice along the way. But last, but last, last but not least, I would say one more thing I would like to really touch upon is, you know, embrace, embrace the the growth of the market. Meaning, we all hear the buzzwords, you know, generative AI now, right? But use that as an alleyway to really. El- alleviate, you know, skill shortages, uh, advance uh, security operations, right? But also at the same time, understand that there are also threats out there which are using the same technologies uh, to, you know, potentially cause harm to your organization or other organizations within the industry. So just be mindful about that. Yeah. That's a great advice. Um, now, lastly, where can we find your research and uh, how can viewers get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, I work at IDC. So I think one way to really contact me is you can email me at cfam, so C for Christian, fam, my last name, at idc.com. Uh, another way is to just, you know, send me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to reply you. And 
if you really want to look at some of the research that we've done in the Asia Pacific region for you know security services and products, you can go to idc.com and you can look for the Asia Pacific Security Opportunities Trust and Resilience Program, and that's where you know you'll you'll be be able to see all the published documents that we have, but also on top of that, all the planned documents that we have, you know, for the next year. Yeah. Great. Um, well, thanks, Chris, for speaking with me today. It's been great to get some insights um, on what's happening in the region. Um, and to our viewers, if you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, questions you'd like me to ask our guests, you can drop me a message on LinkedIn. As always, thanks for watching.